Welcome back to The Short Game. This is a show where we talk about short video games, games that respect your time. Uh, I'm your host, Reagan Kelly, and I am joined by all my awesome co-hosts. How are you doing, Laura Nash? I'm doing spectacular. And Nate Heininger. I'm glad to be here. And my brother, Shane. How are you doing, Shane? Feeling 100%. And this is our 100th episode. I really can't believe it. Like, yes! I cannot believe yeah. so i don't yeah, want this do to be like too self-congratulatory that gets real boring real fast but i just can't help just say like first off thank you guys for sticking with me on a hundred of these like what the heck i'm very glad i talked myself onto this podcast <laughs> we begged you and you know we all haven't individually done a hundred but the show has sustained itself to episode 100 reagan i think you've been on 98 of the 100 so uh thank you for uh Keeping it, keeping it tight, keeping it running, but uh, we're we're glad to be here. I'm surprised it's made it this far too. Yeah, me and too. And we've done so many games, and there's still so many more games. That's what drives me out of my mind. I know it's it's been an incredible spreadsheet. Four hundred and forty games have been mentioned or played on this podcast. We're huge name droppers, guys. <laughs> and with our hundredth episode, I kind of thought we might want to take a second to step back, look at what we've done so far, and kind of reintroduce the show. You know, 100th episode is a, is a kind of a milestone. Um, and we theoretically might have some new listeners checking us out around this time. And so I wanted to start by kind of talking a little bit, restating what we're all about and like, why are we still doing this weird show after 100 episodes? I mean, it's telling that we all have played games for the podcast, recorded episodes, and kept jobs. And that's something that I think is why we love short games. We can adore games, be huge advocates for games, passionately love them, and then complete them in a reasonable amount of time. Wait, you guys kept your jobs? <laughs> oh, no, you didn't? Oh, no. I did it all wrong. What I kind of thought when we first got started with this show was, I can't believe that a show of this nature does not already exist. And that was really my thought when Reagan brought up the idea. Um... I am a terrible video game finisher, and I think there's a lot of people like us out there. I think maybe that's why we've managed to stick with this so much. There are uh, dozens, maybe hundreds of video games in my life that I have loved and not seen the end of. Um, and since we started doing this show, not only have I found lots of games that were uh, a little bit more my lazy speed... Uh, but I've gotten better at finishing games in general, and I've gotten more dedicated to seeing the endings of games that I love. Right now, I'm uh, plowing my way through uh, a game that even if I'd tried it maybe a year or two ago, I probably would have given up on just because it was too hard. Um, so that's been a really cool experience for me to to kind of explore video games in a new way with you guys. Yeah, I've had a lot of fun with this, too. And the show really came about like Nate and I were working at the same place at the at the time. And, um, you know, we were talking about video games a lot. And um, and I was uh, I was going through a period where I, I had uh, been not finishing a lot of games. You know, I built a gaming PC, did the whole like Steam thing for a while. And you know how that goes. You end up with this unbelievable backlog. And it it starts after a while um, making you feel like your hobby is a. Uh, is a waste and just a string of incomplete experiences. And um, then I started playing some of these smaller things. I think the game that was our first episode was one of the ones that really started 
making me think about this as a concept was Gone Home, which is a game that just like changed my life. Like amazing game. And it's uh it's a two hour But is it experience. a game? asked everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Shut your face. Yes. Uh, so, like, I, I wanted more of those experiences, and at the time, it seemed like there weren't that many of them, although actually, if you know where to look and you know how to look, um, they're everywhere. Uh, there are tons mm-hmm. of them, and there's lots yeah. of shows about indie games or about, you know, whatever, but there weren't any game. there weren't any shows just sort of focusing on games that a, a reasonable adult with a job can pick up and complete in a, in a weekend, um, and that's what I wanted at the time, and I still really find that really enjoyable. Yeah, and I was at a point where I had worked at a game company designing games. My parents didn't believe in video games growing up and blocked my access to it, which, thank you, I got into college, but also... College no is a time for experimenting. But also, like, I got into a game company and had a very shallow history. And it was hard because I loved these games that you could complete in a short amount of time. I loved games that you could play for under 20 hours. And uh, kind of the world was saying that that wasn't a valid experience, no matter how hard these games were. And it was really lovely because I started learning about game design at the same time that the indie movement was happening, that Braid was coming out and all these other games were like starting to become more mainstream in a way. And it's been really fun to, you know, yes, I love long games, but to realize that I came of age as a gamer at the same time that short games had a moment. Uh, So it's funny to be kind of on the other side, like long games are something I came to as an adult and not as a kid. And to me, everything we've played feels like it's been in my wheelhouse since I started becoming hmm. a gamer. See, it's funny because, um, you know, a thing that has been a big change for me and something that I love about uh, doing the show is that before the show and really up until about maybe the, the six months or a year before Reagan and I started talking about, you know, actually doing this, I had played almost exclusively really long games. I played uh, World of Warcraft for, you know, almost six years. I played it from beta into one of, uh, I don't remember at this point, but pretty oh. several expansions in. I played I EverQuest. put 200 hours into The Sims, which was not yeah. worth my time. <laughs> I played uh, I played EverQuest for, um, you know, five years before that. And I would sprinkle in, uh, you know, Civilization and <laughs> Age, of em- Age of Empires. Civilization, that light game. And those are all like worthy experiences. Even even The Sims has you know things to commend mm-hmm. it, but it's just something I don't have time for anymore. Yeah, yeah, and I'm absolutely have zero regret. Nor am I knocking those games. I love those games. But what I love too now is I still do kind of you know I pick one game that I'm willing to kind of commit a lot of time to. You know, recently something like Overwatch or before that Destiny. Apparently, just first person shooters on my PlayStation. But <laughs> you know, I look at this list. And I think of all the games that we've all played over the last year and all the great – or last year, last oh, two and a half almost, years. Almost like, yeah, uh, two and a half, almost three, yeah, something like that, which is um, crazy to think about. Right. Uh, all the fantastic – God, we're wasting our lives, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> individual, <laughs> unique experiences. And I personally, not just as an adult, but as just someone who plays games – I think this is the way to do it. And if you are only playing, if you if you are someone who likes video games and you have the time, even small amounts of times to play video games, if you're using it 
to just play one game over and over and over and over, I think you're really missing out because this is a beautiful time for video games. And just looking at this list and what we're about to talk about uh, is I, I'm I, I'm happy to be a part of it. And if it wasn't for the show, I don't think I would be this involved. And I think I would you know maybe hit the big ones, but not some of these crazy little games that we've churned up that you know I think about for weeks and go back to and and I look at this list just. When we were putting it together, how much did you guys just sit like, oh, my God, this game is great. Oh, my God, know, this game is great. Like, I mean, we've had a few, a few that were like, well, you know, differing opinions. But the vast majority of the games we've covered have been fantastic. And that's yeah. partly by design. We generally, if we pick a game and we all don't like it, we just don't cover it. But uh, there have been a few skipped weeks in there where we yeah. picked up a game and it was just total garbage <laughs> yeah <laughs> and we were like oh no we have to come up with a quick replacement <laughs> yeah but our show is about celebrating this world right yeah and so it wouldn't make sense for us to you know just shit on a game for <laughs> forever yeah. it's like yeah, for sure. even the games that we don't like it's more like an interesting discussion or at least i like to think it's an interesting discussion on what you know, makes the game good and what makes it not good. So in a couple minutes, we're going to, just as you said, Nate, we're going to talk through some recommendations on games covering our entire back catalog of episodes and other stuff that we've played or discussed or even just briefly mentioned on the show and kind of um, kind of give, I guess, a guide or a roadmap for folks who maybe haven't been with us since the first episode or want a jumping off point um, and kind of categorize some stuff. Or want to recommend games to their friends. Absolutely. I mean, the first thing I'm asked when I people say, you have a podcast, it's what's the title? And then, oh, it's games. Um, I have a computer, cell phone, console, insert platform here. What would you recommend me? So hopefully this will help you, if you're asked similar questions, answer that. Yeah, how often have I gotten the question, what's the best iPhone game? Oh, geez. That is that is an impossible question. Uh, before we dig into, like, specific recommendations, though, something that I get asked a lot is, uh, like, how we decide on what games we should play for the show, kind of what our process is, how we pick games, how we decide to recommend a game. Um and that's changed a lot. I mean, we've been doing this show over like almost three years. And there was a time where I was pretty much just like looking at my Steam catalog and thinking about like, oh, what do I feel like playing this 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 week? And we'd pick it and, and we'd do that episode. But we kind of have a, I wouldn't say exactly like a streamlined process now, but I thought maybe it'd be worth talking a little bit about just sort of how we do things for folks who are curious. Uh, the number one factor, I think, is developer bribes. <laughs> how I usually I know. make you my know, choice. Rolling around in that sweet, sweet podcast money has really been an inspiration to me. Um, <laughs> my Casper mattress full of Blue Apron meals has been. Uh, <laughs> While you're wearing soft. me undies. <laughs> yeah, um, oh, of course. They're so soft. Um, so I think the first thing that we, we do look at calendars release dates because there's going to be some games that are like, you know, so hot right now. And they're the big new releases. And we know that we should play them and whether or not we like them, they're going to take up a huge amount of media. And if they're short, we really want to cover them. Like inside came out like that was one of them that we just knew that Firewatch, Firewatch like uh -huh. if we didn't yeah. cover them, much anticipated, like we would be an idiot. Well, so, I think with that, then, I mean, obviously our first thing we discuss is how long does this game take to beat or how long does it take before you 
feel that you've gotten a complete experience because we're kind mm-hmm. of we're kind of you know murky with the sh- the short game. Yeah, thing. that's really our metric. Is like is it can you feel you've completed an experience even if you haven't done a hundred percent of the content in the game? Um, and yeah, I'd say that our, our our line is still basically ten hours. We flex it a little bit, but most of the games we cover for this show take five or less, and some take up to ten. Um, I think my biggest resource is just Twitter. I follow a lot of developers on Twitter and, you know, generally uh, uh, my my tack is like if I see that somebody is talking about games that I am interested in, you know, somebody retweets them or whatever, I follow that person immediately. And that's why my Twitter like timeline has gotten just absolutely unmanageable. But a big part of my like process is just like I I keep an eye on that shit on Twitter all the damn time and if something looks interesting I buy it and I start playing it immediately and if it grabs me within the first 10 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever then I'll try to finish it for the show and we'll you know see if anybody else wants to play it and if I can get one or more of my cool co-hosts to to play it too then we've got a show yeah I think that's part of our process is everyone like um, and yeah, I'd say you guys, sources. yeah, yeah I, I'd say you guys often more than myself, but like, yeah, you hear about a game that sounds fun. We each kind of take our individual attempt at it. And once we've deemed it possibly episode worthy, it's offered to the group. Everyone starts playing it and it's like, okay, this is what we're doing next. It's worth it. And then we haphazardly uh, try to schedule a night and between two and four of us make it. And there you have an episode. Another big one is, you know, we get a lot of recommendations from our uh, internet friends yeah. and listeners. Um, oh, I mean, man. we got certain folks who write into us with recommendations that, I mean, I, we just get great recommendations. Some some folks in particular, um, like we get uh, we get a lot of great recommendations from folks via Twitter or via our website. We have a contact form there. Those are not going into the ether. We read every single one. If you write us a, a, a thing that says, hey, you should check out this game, there's like a 99% chance that I will play it that day. Like it happens. <laughs> um, and we and, post it to our Slack and all like gush about how much we love our listeners who write into us. So. Uh, yeah, we're definitely not ignoring it. And let us know if you have a game. Because some of the better games that uh, we've played, a couple that immediately come to mind that I know are near the top of a lot of our lists are Super Android Cactus was recommended to us. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, didn't absolutely. we get a dark or, yeah, as, as a recommendation? No, that was me. That was Laura. But <laughs> Laura was, I mean, in a, in a sense, because at the time, Laura wasn't on the podcast yet. I was, I was, <laughs> yeah. well, I got on the podcast by being an angry, not an angry, a very, uh, persistent recommender of games. I think I was like, hi, I play so many iPhone games. Here are like 17 I would recommend. Yeah. And Reagan was like, oh, dear God. So overwhelming. Again. Uh, that worked out. Um, a, one, big, a big yeah. thanks to uh, to Christian, who writes a blog, Indie Game Enthusiast. He's been one of our most consistent and incredibly good recommenders. He's recommended probably at least, I don't know off the top of my head, but probably three or four games that we've done full episodes on and, and many more that are like rad recommendations that we haven't gotten to for whatever reason yet he's uh he's been excellent um so many like lots and lots of great recommendations from folks so we love to get those if you want to give them to us please do that we really really appreciate it i mean no one can really keep on top of this and try everything um so you know we're only we're only four human beings so if you've played something that you think is up the show's alley then uh then let us know on twitter at underscore the short game 
or excuse me at underscore short game not the short game or www.theshortgame.net that's how we usually end the show i feel like we just wrap <laughs> yeah up. so we yeah. just yeah and you can find me on twitter at nate stl so let's talk about those recommendations because again i just went to a going away party and four people were like oh right you have a podcast you're recording tonight give me some recommendations so i feel like i've been prepping all evening for this yeah. moment right now and the kind of big picture concept here is it's hard to recommend a game because you don't really know what, especially if it's someone you don't really know. So at the very least, we're going to attempt to break down the games that we've covered and going forward, the games that we do in the future. We're going to break them into a genre as best we can. Yeah. The cool thing about the indie space is that a lot of these games uh, fit across multiple genres. And we may say a game that is a genre and we know we're also kind of just putting it somewhere. Um, so if you disagree with the genre that we pick, let us know. I mean, maybe there's one that we <laughs> missed, but uh, we're just also kind of putting them what we think is best, but a lot of them are up for interpretation. Yeah, um, and we've got a huge list of games. I mean, like Laura said, Laura <laughs> took the time oh my God, thank you, Laura, to go back over our 100 episodes and create a spreadsheet that lists every game, not just that we've covered, but that we've mentioned, all 400 some odd of them. Uh, on, And we've uh, gone through that whole list and we've broken them down into sort of rough genre categories. Um, and now we're going to kind of go through them and give some recommendations a lot of these are going to be games that you may have heard of before but maybe maybe not um and our goal here wasn't necessarily to pick the best 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 game in this genre but rather the one that would be the easiest to recommend to somebody who maybe is uh new to this type of games or new to this genre or just wants a really unique and short experience so um also we're limited just by like what we've been able to cover on the show so far there's probably really 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 great stuff that we haven't covered once again let us know yeah, these are basically your best bets, or at least the ones that we will go to the mattresses fighting for. <laughs> yeah, and also our list does not include all 440. Oh, my we have broken <laughs> We have broken our list into the games that are titles of episodes. So you will be able to go to our website in the future and find this list and also the episode where we cover it. So if you're unsure about a game but you know you like Puzzle Platformers, well, we have at least broken down the shows that we've done on Puzzle Platformers, and you'll be able to find it as well as the episode that yeah. it, that we talk about that game. And we've broken this down into, I think, like 15 uh, genres or categories, and we're just going to go through each one. So I'll go ahead and start with – and these are in no particular order based on category, just kind of like the order we threw them together um, – the first kind of genre or category that we have spent a lot of time on um, – and this is a name that I had to kind of like paste together because you, what do you really call these games? We still don't know. Uh, here we are like 10 years into the indie game uh, revolution and we still don't have names for things. But uh, visual or narrative experiences. <laughs> now, that's the vaguest goddamn thing <laughs> you could possibly call anything. But there's certain games, a pretty big genre of games that kind of encompasses something that folks sometimes call walking simulators, but also encompasses a lot of things that aren't really categorized that way. Um, uh, just games that are really all about narrative and not about like gameplay challenge or like satisfaction of like a physical gameplay experience. You might have three feelings. buttons in this game. Yeah, <laughs> like you, you do a couple things, but it's really about how a, an emotion, a feeling, kind of an atmosphere and... Uh, we tied for our recommendation here because they're both incredible games. Um, I'll talk about the one that Reagan already hasn't talked about, which is Journey. 
which is beautiful, lush, set in a desert. It's, it's odd to call a desert game lush, but you can fly, um, you can walk, you can experience the entire hero's journey, the philosophical concept while walking through it. But it's um, such a beautiful, um, evocative, more than a walking simulator. It's a classic at this point. It I is. mean, Journey is a game that a lot of people. I think you'd be hard-pressed to find someone who, despite what they like about video games, what brought them to video games, plays the game and gives it more than, you know, like 10 minutes that doesn't absolutely love that game. Yeah. It's... And it's easy it's to beautiful. get a hold of. Free game on PlayStation Plus. I, yeah, I was about to say, it's the free game right now, I think, on uh, on PlayStation Plus. If you have any PlayStation platform, a PS4, a PS3... Uh, I, I say any PlayStation platform. It's not on the Vita um, or on, I guess, the PS2. But <laughs> or PS1 or PS2. Either of the two most recent main PlayStation platforms. <laughs> um, you can play this game. You may be able to play it for free. It's a absolute classic. Um, and uh, it probably doesn't need a whole lot of introduction, but we did a whole great episode on it. Um, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention... Uh, so our top two choices in this sort of vague, amorphous genre were Journey and Gone Home. They don't have a lot in common. Gone Home is much more narrative than sort of visual, but it is still just sort of a narrative experience. It's a uh, it's a, a story of a girl who's coming home to her house uh, after a long uh, trip abroad, and the place is empty, and uh, your family is gone, and you're exploring the space, kind of trying to solve the mystery of why isn't anybody here? Why is my house empty? Um, and there's all sorts of stuff in your house that tells that story in the most innovative way you can possibly imagine. Um, it's a it's a game about investigation, but it's all just about experiencing it yourself. The entire like story is uh, told through this sort of environmental detail. And um, it was our very first episode for this show. I can't 100% recommend that episode because it's been now so goddamn long since we did that episode that I feel like if we were to do it again today, um, we would do it totally differently. So I don't necessarily recommend going back and listening to episode one of the short game. First off, it's like two goddamn hours long. Um, but that <laughs> game is, it changed my life. And also it spoils so the entire... It really does, yeah. So oh, we um, did a spoiler alert. Yeah, but, we, we um, did. But we may, we may someday go back and re-explore Gone Home uh, as a sort of a retrospective. But Gone Home is one of the greatest games of all time and uh, is probably my favorite game of all time. So absolutely play that game. Um, yeah, it was a game where I was constantly telling myself, there's not ghosts. There's <laughs> ghosts. There's not ghosts. There's ghosts over and over and over and over. <laughs> Um, just to briefly <laughs> list through the rest of the things that we kind of categorize this way that we've covered on the show, um, Leave Oma, a, a really interesting um, kind of uh, narrative experience about a boy uh, walking through the woods with his grandmother. Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons, a very Journey-inspired game uh, about uh, twin boys wandering through a fantasy world. And uh, it Not tells twins. its story in a really – oh, you're right. They're not. I'm sorry. Like an older and a younger sibling. Um, tells its story in a really interesting <laughs> just way. Just because you guys are twins doesn't mean every other pair of brothers are <laughs> twins, okay? Look, I thought of them as twins because I related to them. And so I assumed they what were about, twins. They're like 
double the height of the other one. What well, I, I'm a bit, clearly. I'm a bit bulkier than Shane. You know, it doesn't matter. Oh yeah, Let's um, do this. No. quite the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> um, just quickly list the rest: the vanishing of Ethan Carter, uh, a, a more, uh, more sort of crime scene investigator. Yes, absolutely paranormal. Um, Abzu, a a fish simulator. Swim through the fish. Look at the fish. The Swim fish are journey. awesome. We did that very recently. Swim journey. Underwater journey. Uh, Dr. Langeskov, the tiger and the terribly cursed emerald, a whirlwind heist. Do you have 15 minutes? The, the, if, that's a great game. Absolutely, if you have 15 minutes. And uh, the, name, the, the name of the game tells you everything you need to know about it, I think. Uh, Sibylle, do you like uh, teenage girls exploring their sexuality through uh, online multiplayer games? This of game course might be I for do. You. <laughs> and um, Wheels of Aurelia. Italian road trip with um, a communist uh, 1970s heroine. So the next genre is another genre that we have many games that we've covered. Um, and this one would be puzzle games. This is one where, uh, you know, we feel like probably about 50% of the games that we cover have some sort of puzzle element. But we tried to just pick the games that would be really just considered straight-up puzzle games. And I'm not even going to let any of you guys talk before I mention the uh, game that we recommend the most. You must build a boat! Oh, damn it. Okay, yeah, so uh, you got it in there. Um, You must build a boat, a match three dungeon crawler um, that I expected to not really like because I don't really like... Well, I'm not generally very good at match three games. And this one makes you do that also on a timer where you're selecting, you're like actively trying to match three specific things. Like I can kind of get into match three if it's like, oh, I just need three blue, three red, whatever. They're all kind of the same. I'm just matching three. This is like, no, there's a creature with a sword. So you need to match three, uh, you know, shields. And if you don't do that in five seconds, then you die. Uh, sounds terrifying to me, but this game is so well executed and builds on itself so well that by the end of it, I was like a match three master. And I feel like anyone could get there because they train you so well and the music is great and the animation is great. And this is on the iPhone and I love it. And I know uh, between me and Laura, we probably brought this game up uh our count says four, but I think it's just because we stopped counting how many times we brought it up in an individual episode. It's one of the, I think we campaigned for it as game of the year and everyone was like, <laughs> it's way too shallow. And we're like, what well, we played it every day for a year. It's like seven hours long too. Yeah. So it's awesome. I, I reset it and replayed it because I liked it so much. I think we probably have talked about this game more than any other game that we haven't done a full episode about um (laughs) because like we never had a you must build a boat episode it just came up on every single episode for a year whenever we would talk about so what else are you playing right now nothing but you must build a boat (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna build that goddamn boat it sounds like a cult man the title is is enough alone that you should be intrigued by this let alone that we're you know, raving about this little game on your iPhone. Yeah, um, it is. It has got to be one of the greatest iPhone games of all time. Absolutely, and the uh, the music is great. So good that I would just like open the app and just leave the app open 
just to listen to the music from it. Which man, I, you are addicted. <laughs> oh man, it's so good. It's so good. It's all that positive like uh, like response. You hear that music and you immediately think, "Yes, I'm accomplishing my goals." <laughs> the the other uh, other game that we kind of marked as our kind of runner up top puzzle game that we've mentioned on the show uh, was also an iPhone or iOS anyway game, Monument Valley, and um, it's uh, also widely talked about because it's got a really uh really unique and beautiful art style um but it's more than just mc escher the game yeah that, and that's a really good description of it but it's it's got a lot more going for it than that yeah it's it's the spatial version of a puzzle game i mean umis will vote is a lot about um reaction and matching and monument valley is a lot about uh directions and flipping orientations um a lot of the puzzle games in our category do different things with um, relationships between objects. And it's really fun to me that these are both iPhone games, completely different art styles, completely different types of puzzles, but you can probably recommend them to the same person. Yeah. And they'll like both. That's a really good point. Um, and easy to recommend to anybody that has a smartphone. You don't need to be, uh, you know, you don't need, don't need to have a console of any kind or anything. So the rest of the games that we cover that we deem to fall perfectly under the puzzle games uh, genre would be uh, Human Resource Machine. We did a game for, or an episode for it uh, very recently. Um, you know, it, algorithms, uh, computer processing, programming, but fun. Um, a game uh, <laughs> created by the uh, same people who did Little, Infer- Little Inferno, uh, an awesome game. Um, Which also reasons. kind of falls under uh, puzzle games and somehow isn't on our list here. I'm going to add it. A Little Inferno. I thought it, it was supposed to be. Um, yeah. So if we didn't mention that, Little Inferno is also fantastic by the same developers as Human Resources Machine and is kind of a puzzle game, although it's a little more uniquely off. It's not quite puzzly. It's more like... It's more, I don't even know what to call it. Yeah, yeah. Little Inferno is, um, let's burn two things and see what happens. <laughs> yeah, there you go. If you like fire, um, try Little Inferno. Uh, it's one of the only games uh, from the show that I ended up playing all the way through once and then all the way through a second time uh, with my wife, who has very, very different tastes in games than I do, uh, and we both totally enjoyed. Pyromaniacs. I also played it with my wife, and uh, it's a good game to sit together and play with people. Um, it's just like, what what will happen when we burn these two or three things together? And it's it's super satisfying. And um, it has a lot more of a story than that makes it sound like. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, well, that and Human Resource Machine, both the games by this company, which their name is escaping me right now. The Tomorrow Corporation. So a quick rundown of the rest of the categories. Uh, threes is a puzzle game where you're matching uh, two and one to make three, and then three and three to make six, and <laughs> onwards and onwards so on. and onwards. It's the new Tetris. This game is so so perfectly distilled. Mm-hmm. And framed is where you are playing a puzzle game based on a comic book, where you can reorder panels and move between them. Uh, Spider Route of the Shrouded Moon is a game like you might have seen the first spider early ipad game where you flick and you uh jump a spider across the screen by swiping uh this is the sequel and it's much richer there's cool things about time of day the spider goes into a lot of rooms and you're getting kind of information about the environment while playing this beautiful little puzzle game where you're just flicking around the place yeah it's 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 basically a platformer but it's on top of that it it layers on this sort of exploration 
um, and bug-eating mechanics that I think... Really yeah, I helps. almost didn't know whether to classify this one under puzzle games, platform games, or even arcade games, because there's this sort of high-score uh, bug-eating business in it that really is very satisfying. Great game. It's really all of them. And and then Quadrilateral Cataboy, we just did an episode on, it's a heist-planning game um, where you are uh, kind of doing a hacking uh, mechanic, but you're also... You know, trying to figure out how to break into things, accomplish goals. That one, um, I think, if that one might be a little bit more divisive. I loved it. Um, if you enjoy retro tech and you find fiddling with uh, with things that might not necessarily be super streamlined and efficient, but rather in, derive enjoyment from you know fiddling with knobs on old equipment that kind of thing this is a game that has a uh, retro tech theme and you're using a bunch of uh, hacking and infiltration tools that are deliberately kind of themed around this uh, sort of retro style if you if that sounds cool to you then it's amazing uh, if it doesn't sound cool to you if it sounds like oh man you mean i have to type in commands or turn knobs or or like carefully arrange my tools to make sure that they're spatially in the right spot that could be frustrating to you maybe you know check it out but uh but it may or may not be for you but i think this game is fantastic and our last one in the category is the loosest definition of puzzle games which is pocket card jockey our last episode it's a solitaire horse racing game neither of which are really puzzles but if you kind of put it together it's kind of puzzly I think uh, solitaire, you could technically call it puzzle. But yeah, I would yes. argue that it's in particular, this type of solitaire that's very simplified solitaire is a puzzle. Is a puzzle. Like, it's more mm-hmm. of a solitaire themed puzzle than true solitaire. And because of that, I enjoyed it. I did not. So I don't so much love like real legit solitaire, but this worked for me in a way that I felt was kind of similar to you must build a boat because um, you're kind of managing multiple things at once. So if uh, you must build a boat appeal to you and you have a 3DS, I would try pocket card jockey. And we had a whole episode talking about how much fun it was just uh, just here recently and horses are super adorable and you get to name them who doesn't love to name stuff in video games and the <laughs> ongoing theme of this episode will be how much fun naming things is um, horse mango our the next kind of genre that we outlined is one that's very near and dear to my heart uh, i think that when people think of indie games a lot of times the first games that spring to mind are puzzle platformers and we have covered a large number of awesome puzzle platformers on this show. Uh, unsurprisingly, um, Portal is at near the top of this list, but the newest and hottest puzzle platformer is Inside. This game has everything. <laughs> it's got uh, dogs that eat you. It's got a, a guy that chases you with a gun and runs you over with his car. It's got stuff that I'm not going to talk about because it would be a spoiler. So um, <laughs> Inside is a amazing game. I would recommend it to anybody, period. By the developers of Limbo, which would have probably been like the top of this list until Inside came out. And they're both still amazing games. But Inside is like perfectly distilled all of the good ideas of limbo and expanded on them and moved them forward in a way that was really really impressive so i would say that inside is the the more impressive game the game to play in that puzzle platformer genre holy there are not that that many games that will entertain you for a couple of hours but will mess you up for life (laughs) not bad Um, not bad 
And, and just Portal a, is one of them. <laughs> yeah. As I say, just to touch on Portal, I don't think it's super necessary to, for us to explain, uh, you know, what Portal is and, and what Play it means Portal. to the industry. Yeah. Just, yeah, I, I, that's exactly what I was going to say. This is just a reminder that Portal is as good as you remember it. And if you want a, uh, a good game, uh, a good few hours to play, even if you know you remember every puzzle... You could tell me, you could walk me, you know, step by step through every puzzle and the solution, and I would still have a great time with that game. It is a classic, deserving so. Um, play it if you haven't. Play it again. Yeah, I remember our episode on Portal. I mean, most of the time, we just call it the title of the game, but our, our Portal episode was called Play Portal Again, because the assumption is, I mean, if you play video games, you've probably already played Portal, right? This game is absolutely pivotal absolutely important to the genre of not just the genre the medium this is like one of the most important games i think of all time but going back and talking about it again going back and playing it again is never not fun um that was a fun episode and if you haven't played portal you know in the last couple of years it is worth playing it again and portal 2 which isn't on our list because it's a little bit longer but portal 2 is also great also great i want to kind of round this out with a few of our other games from this genre uh, there are so many uh, that are great, but uh, we already mentioned Monument Valley, which I would categorize as a platformer, not necessarily a puzzle game. Um, Thomas Was Alone is unique in both its story elements and its stripped-down visual style. Um, really entertaining, really wonderful narration. So funny. Leo's so Fortune funny. was a fun, engaging, accessible iPhone puzzle platformer. Gunpoint was a fabulous game that... I thought had really cool uh, kind of combat slash puzzle platform elements, although I did kind of have trouble getting all the way through it. Uh, the Swapper is one mm. of my favorite games that we've played for this show. Same. Um, it's yet Same. another puzzle platformer that has kind of a deeper intellectual side and a unique quirk, a unique twist that I've seen in no other games uh, that really really hit me hard and it was really cool. And it's one of the only games where I at upon completion sat down my controller and thought, what have I done? And I can't <laughs> I can't remember. This is, this is a great game. I I mean it stands out. We didn't put it as our top because Inside and Portal are both so amazingly good, but The Swapper is a standout game that I'm really really glad we played and um just to kind of explain why it is a uh, you know that moment in Portal where you figure it out and you realize, "Oh, I can do more than just go from point A to point B. This portal mechanic opens up this enormous variety of like mobility techniques. And then you spend the entire rest of the game experimenting and playing with this incredibly cool mechanic. This does that too, with an entirely different mm -hmm. mechanic that is also almost equally clever and interesting. So if you want a game that takes a, a clever, simple central mechanic, introduces it to you almost in full right from the start, and then spends the entire game giving you 150 ways to experiment with and build upon that mechanic, this is an incredibly cool game. I didn't play Escape Goat 2. Who did? <laughs> I did. It we is did, yeah. the purest distillation of platforming. It is exceptional level design with a goat and a mouse. And um, if you're interested in it, I would look up the speed run from the most uh, recent Summer Dames Gun Quick, where they do all of a scapegoat in like 10 minutes. Don't watch all of it or go spoil all the puzzles, but it is super fun to see this done 
by someone who knows what they're doing and doesn't die all the time like I did. Well, we already mentioned Limbo. Um, so if you're playing inside and you feel like you want more, uh, go play Limbo. Or play them in the other order. Both great. Yes, I agree. Um, Mushroom 11, uh, also a game that I did not play, but it was a really cool and unique looking puzzle platformer in which uh, you play... So in in all of these games, we you, you get to be all sorts of different characters from um, a small child to a rectangle to a ball of fluff. And now you get to be uh, a piece of fungus, <laughs> uh, which isn't what I think of when I play a puzzle platformer. But there you have it. It's an incredible game. It, it has a mobility mechanic that is unlike anything that I've ever seen before. Um, it's incredibly well polished. Uh, it's a it's a game where you're playing a, a slime mold in a post-apocalyptic landscape, and you move by destroying parts of the slime mold, which causes it to regrow in semi-random directions, you know, apart from the direction that you're destroying. So it's this really clever kind of blob movement that it's it's just it's a it's it's very rare that you play a game where just moving around is a novel and unusual and like unique experience. This game has a way of making your character move around that I'd never seen before. Who played Expand? Because I didn't play that one either. <laughs> Man, we picked the wrong person to uh, talk about these uh, this, this uh, category. You even sure played did. the last like. <laughs> well, you know, I think out of all of the four of us, uh, I'm the one that has missed the most games. Um, and that's one of the things that I'm realizing as we go back through all of these is that I've got some some really good games that I can catch up with you guys on. Yeah, and I recommend Expand uh, entirely. This is one that came to us through a listener Yeah, same with uh, Mushroom by... 11, actually. Uh, both of those were yeah. listener recommendations. Thank you, guys. Um, expand, it's like, look through a kaleidoscope, but the kaleidoscope is only red, white, and black, and you're controlling a block that's trying to maneuver through this constantly spinning kaleidoscope. It's not a perfect description, but I think it's somewhere in that wheelhouse, and you have a really unique, really satisfying game that um, I can't recommend enough, and it takes about... This is one of those games that fits right into our wheelhouse. It's like four hours long. There's nothing else like it. It's a lot of fun. It's challenging. Um, It's like three bucks on itch, maybe five. (laughs) It's so good. Um, It's so good. Uh, I, I yeah, go play expand. It's so good. So adventure games, the genre where you are playing a character, exploring a world, and the one we put at the top is uh, one of the most recent, and it was so anticipated. It's Firewatch. It is beautiful. It's got this um, excellent um, layout by you know Ali Moss, who's a design god, but it's also got this really great story where you are um, operating by radio overlooking this um, national park and you may or may not be uncovering a conspiracy. I won't say anything else. The episode is pretty long um, where we gush an extraordinary amount. Yeah, that um, one's an interesting one in terms of, uh, of adventure games because it's the only one on our list of adventure games that's first person. Um, and then we've got two episodic games is our tie, uh, Wolf Among Us, which is based on the Fables series that I've read all of and own all of because <laughs> I'm a super fan. Um, and it is set in a world where um, 
Fairy tales are not only real, but they're living in a really crappy version of Manhattan. Um, and yeah, this is my, my favorite of the telltale genre. Uh, it's so wonderful. And then Life is Strange, where you're playing teenagers, but a teenager with time-rewinding superpowers who may or may not be seeing the end of the universe in uh, the Pacific Northwest. Great combination of, of genre and mechanic to that one. Uh, and beautiful music. You can actually sit on a bed and listen to Jose Gonzalez play for like 45 minutes if you feel like <laughs> All of those games are so good. And... So a couple other, just quickly running through some of the other ones we played. Walking Dead is uh, kind of the grandfather telltale game. It was zombie-based. Machinarium is an adorable point-and-clip about a, a plucky robot whose girlfriend gets captured. It sounds like Mario, but it is much more steampunk. <laughs> uh, Grim Fandango is uh, an older game that recently got remastered uh, based on Day of the Dead, where you are going through a lot of different worlds um, and as someone who is actually a Grim Reaper. Basically a Disney movie, hilarious dialogue, but get a walkthrough because otherwise sometimes those puzzles are nightmares. But so good. Attack of the Friday Monsters is a 3DS game. Adorable. About, it's super cute about um, a little kid in a city where monsters attack every Friday, and that's normal. Uh, Oxenfree, we said teens so many times. I put this <laughs> oh, through. Oh, spooky teens. Spooky, spooky teens. teens. I put it's this spooky through. spooky teen game. I um, podcast um, like a translator because I was thinking about doing transcription software and I searched for the word teens and we said it like 23 times in the episode. So if you like teens, you like spooky things and you like uh, potential ghosts or demons, might be your choice. Also, Until Dawn, ghosts, demons, teens, all of them, horror <laughs> movie, like probably our biggest AAA release, Until Dawn totally worth every penny of the $60 price you might have paid. Although now, quite a bit cheaper. Quite yeah, bit we cheaper did now. Until Dawn and Oxenfree, I think, like back to back. So we were doing, we had like a whole spooky teens suite, and it was... Uh, it like March. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, I, I'll just say real quick, Until Dawn is a game that I, I don't like horror movies. I find them... Uh, it's cool if you like them. I just generally find them boring. Um I really, really enjoyed Until Dawn. So. Yeah, and the last of this super rich category is Super Brothers Sword and Sorcery. And when this game came out on iOS, I remember uh, taking a long lunch break at work, uh, putting on headphones, and just sitting and playing it in the food court of the nearby mall because I wanted this game to be so good. And it really was. It's a little bit of persnickety point and click, but and it's... Pixel art is beautiful, and I listen to the soundtrack at work all the time. Yeah, still stands up. So this next category, Endless Runners, um, this is something that we did a whole episode that was just like specifically about Endless Runners, so you may want to check that out. Uh, and we talked about all of our favorites, but it was primarily organized around a game that I got completely obsessed with last year, which was Alto's Adventure. Uh, Alto's Adventure is a iOS, I think it's also an Android now, uh, and the Apple TV uh, endless skiing game. You are starting at the top of a beautiful uh, mountain and skiing down the hill to try to catch your llamas. But essentially, that's all window dressing, beautiful, beautiful window dressing on top of an incredibly addictive arcade style endless runner game. Um, and we also uh, talked a little bit about another really good one, Race the Sun. Race the Sun is a uh, uh, sort of 
third person, or I would call it like, I guess, like outrun style perspective. You're playing as a solar powered flying craft, maneuvering your way through a bewildering array of cube-like obstacles and trying to uh, trying to stay uh, ahead of the setting sun so that you don't run out of solar power or crash into something. Best part of that game is that the level is randomly generated every day, uh, and so you can spend as much time as you like practicing on the same terrain, and then tomorrow, everything's co- totally different. Yeah. Um, our next category would be the action platformer. Action platformer is a genre that has a lot of things could fit into it, um, but we pick some of our favorites, and I think some of our just general favorites from the show actually happen to fall into this category. Um, if we were recommending an action platformer to someone, and honestly, probably within our top five of just recommendable games, um, would probably be Shovel Knight. And that's what we've chosen as our as our most recommendable action platform. Yeah, most recommendable platformer, and just one of my favorite games that we've done. It's it's only uh, actually since we've done it, it's expanded to several platforms. Uh, at the time that when we did it, it was only on the 3DS. I think um, it was also on Steam at the time too, but was it's, it? You're, yeah, you're it's now out on uh, on the PlayStation Four, the Vita, the Wii U came out this year, this week. It's on um, it's on everything. The game is so undeniably well polished and good. Uh, it is a retro game throwback without feeling thrown back. It's it takes all of the things that you remember being good about retro games, or maybe you don't, but it takes all of those wonderful things polishes and refines them and gives them back to you in a new way that feels fresh and interesting and has some totally new ideas that you can't believe they didn't come up with back in the day like amazing game did you enjoy uh in the old um ducktales uh video game stomping with uh scrooge mcduck's cane down not scrooge but uh yeah was that his name scrooge Scrooge. mcduck Mm -hmm. uh yeah scrooge mcduck's cane going down on someone um, that's not what we phrasing, call that. Phrasing. Okay, yeah, that phrasing. That's not what you call that. <laughs> oh, take that back. I said it, and as I was saying it, I knew it. I knew it. Uh, stomping someone with your cane, um, then imagine that you uh, now doing it with a, a, a delightful shovel and a really awesome world and a fantastic uh, soundtrack. Just a, a great game all around. Super good. Um, the, the next game is a game that's very, uh, near and dear to my heart, uh, a game that I will still lord over everyone as I think I was the only one who was actually able to successfully complete this game. I got like 99%. And, I just couldn't get that last one level. W- probably. And one of the reasons is that it was probably one of the hardest games that we've done. Um, and I think by sheer, like just luck and like brute force, I was able to get through a lot of it, but this, uh, game is VVV VVV. A retro, um, a retro style action puzzle platformer um, that also kind of Metroidvania, where you're uh, navigating your little uh, character through a huge world that death is around every single corner, um, and the moment you touch a spike or a kill box or whatever, you uh, Immediately die and start right back at your last checkpoint. Um, and checkpoints are all over the place. And it's 
fast paced. Great game. And the, the key thing difficult. is its gravity mechanic. Uh, it's very innovative mm-hmm. in that you are. I, I wouldn't say innovative. It's 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 pull. It's it's a great expression of a of a mechanic that has been around in other games, but it like really becomes the key focus of this game, where you don't so much jump as reverse the gravity of the world. Um, mm-hmm. And but it does that in this enormous scale. So it's like your metal storms or what have you, but expanded to this enormous scale and just tons and tons of incredibly clever puzzle-like levels built on that mechanic. Yeah, it's basically your controls are left, right, up, down, space bar to reverse gravity. And you are flying all over the place, and you can kind of tackle it in a lot of different orders. Um, That's where the kind of the Metroidvania comes from it, and you're unlocking this map. And there's a story enough to make you explore, um, but it's really about these challenges that you come upon. It's not levels, per se. It's like... You're exploring a map, and then you realize, like, the only way I can get across this part is by accomplishing this crazy task involving gravity switching and twitch mechanics and um, super rewarding. I, I I love the game. And, and oddly, most of our action platformers that we put on this list are sort of retro-styled. We talked a little bit about – we did an episode on Freedom Planet, which is more sort of Sega, Genesis, or Saturn-style uh, Sonic imitation, but – uh, in some ways, even improves upon those older games. And Cave Story, a brilliant Metroidvania that builds on uh, sort of uh, Mega Drive's era style. Super Time Force feels very modern, plays with time travel mechanics. So, like, there's a lot of great stuff here for the uh, retro game enthusiast as well. Um, we've wanted to do more retro games on this show, but haven't really made that a big focus. Hopefully, that's something that we're going to be focusing more on in the coming year. Absolutely well, it's tricky not. because There's every a... retro game can be beaten in like 30 minutes if you're good. <laughs> but if you're not, like me, who? <laughs> yeah. uh, a genre that I wish we could find more great examples of, but I'll run through quickly here, is the uh, sort of party game slash fighting game genre. And we kind of have conflated those, but um, the sort of multiplayer short game experience. Um, the number one game for, I think, all of us, uh, or at least I know for me, is Towerfall. Mm. Uh, Towerfall is a archery arena combat game. Uh, nothing needs to be said about it other than the fact that it's phenomenal, and if you have the ability to play it, you should. I actually want to say as well, Nidhogg falls into that category for me. Uh, Nidhogg is a fencing combat game that is stripped down and simplified, and if you can play it, you must <laughs> Both of those I are impressed a 14 year old I was directing at a community musical theater production because he was playing Ned Hogg and I recognized it and I said that game is great however you need to be on stage <laughs> <laughs> uh, if we were taking all the games that we've ever done for the show and just clocking hours played into them which a lot of them would not be many because that's kind of the point of the show but some of them have a ton of replay value um, first it would be FTL, which we're going to talk about, but second <laughs> would, would be Towerfall. I, um, am fortunate to have a lot of people, um, around me that also love to play video games and we've played hours and hours and hours of Towerfall and I can't recommend it enough. So Metroidvania platformers are the type of platformers where you kind of can keep going back and exploring the world. I fell in love with Ori and the Blind Forest because it felt like a Miyazaki movie and it was beautiful and the animations were gorgeous even though I was playing on like a boot camp version of Windows. I just thought it was the prettiest game I've played for the podcast. Absolutely. It is a gorgeous game. Yeah, it was so fluid and 
I've never spent longer trying to beat a single level in my life than when I was oh. trying to outrace the water. I know just water. what level like you're talking about. Oh, man. Two hours straight. I just was terrible at it. And I think that's probably why my hours on this are higher than most short games, because I was so terrible at outracing that damn flood. <laughs> that but, said, for a, for a Metroidvania, which tends to be a traditionally like longer genre, this game is really short and uh, easy to pick up and complete. It felt accessible, even though I found it hard, very, very hard at times. And on a completely different tonal scale, Guacamelee is the silliest. Um, we talked about if it was racist or not, and we decided, no, we think. <laughs> well, we're probably not the right people to make that call. We are not the right people to make the call, but it is hilarious, and it is fun, and it's a big fighter Metroidvania game where you play a Lucha Libre fighter um, who dies, get brought back to life, and even can become a little tiny chicken. So good. It really kind of layers the Metroidvania exploration and sort of power-up mechanic on top of a combo move mechanic that you just haven't seen in that style of game before. So every uh, every ability you gain is not just a weapon or a combat mechanic, but also part of a larger combo move system where you can layer your different moves on top of each other for, you know, additional uh, mobility and additional, like, combat. Uh, it really is a clever twist on uh, the Metroidvania genre. The actual, the other two games on our list in terms of Metroidvanias are, are both things that only I have played, and so I just will mention them briefly and then we'll move on. Um, Axiom Verge, an amazing sort of uh, homage to the original Metroid. It's on the PlayStation and on Steam and is uh, so, so well done. One of the best games I played uh, last year, I think, is what I'm going to say. Uh, and also uh, Momodora 4. There are several Momodora games. The newest one, Momodora 4, uh, Reverie Under the Moonlight, is uh, a really, really, really well done, uh, Windows-only, unfortunately, uh, Metroidvania game that we haven't done an episode on. I would love to, but... Um, uh, Comrade podcast, uh, check it out. Comrade uh, did a great episode on it, so check out Gary Butterfield's Ch uh, check it out. Comrade podcast, uh, and they did a great episode on Momodora. We have a genre penciled in here that is not really a genre; it's more of a um, uh, a lifestyle, <laughs> <laughs> a pejorative. <laughs> it's the silly games, um, and there's some really great games here. Um, the number one game, I think, for us has been Octodad, Dadliest Catch. Certainly has the greatest a, theme song of any game that has ever been. Without a doubt, um, it's a game in which you are an octopus who is pretending to be a dad, uh, or he, who is in fact a dad. He is a real dad, but he's pretending to be human. Um, and you just go about your day doing these things. Yeah, I mean, it looked like a regular dad to me. I don't know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> we had uh, a f another game that I thought was one of the most bizarre game concepts um, with a kind of out-of-this-world take on a very popular, though somewhat overlooked, genre of the romance dating simulator. That was Hatoful Boyfriend, a uh, pigeon dating game. In which one uh, romances uh, birds of, of 
of several of kinds. Many types of pigeons. Many kinds of pigeons. <laughs> Check Come it out us. on our combined bird themed <laughs> games episode, uh, along with Aviary Attorney and some others. Uh, Aviary Attorney was another bird themed game, a uh, a game about uh, sort of a Phoenix Wright uh, mystery solving game. Uh, in which you play a bird attorney. So um, we have a whole bird-themed episode if you want to go back and listen to that. Those two and and actually I think a couple or three others. We're really providing what the people are asking for, and that's bird-themed episodes. Well, bird-themed episodes of podcasts and then by way of bird-themed video games. It's Yeah, I think that episode is called Bird Week. You can find it in our past episodes. We like to have fun around here. <laughs> Do you remember when Serial did Bird Week? Oh, it's their most popular week ever. That's when they that's when they landed the big sponsorships. Mm-hmm. And yet, here we are still waiting. So, interactive fiction is a genre that we cover a lot, um, considering that um, we've done a couple wrap up episodes. We won't go into those little ones, but um, eighty days, eighty days, eighty days. This is the one that if I ask someone, they say, "What game do you recommend?" I say. Can you read? <laughs> and they say yes, and I'm like, great, try 80 days. It is. What do you say um, when they say no? Then I say, great, you should play threes. <laughs> <laughs> no, 80 days is beautiful. It is a game where you play Passapartout, which I learned how to say for our 80 days episode. Um, you're the ballad of um, uh, in the book Around the World in 80 Days, and you are just assisting your um, lovely master trying to get around the world as fast as possible. But it's more than that. If you just go around the world as quickly as possible, you miss the journey. And there are dangerous women. There are ways to fall out of air balloons. There are mechanical cities. There are alchemists. Anything you can think of that's cool, it's probably somewhere in 80 days. It's an incredibly clever sort of engine for creating stories so that you can play through the game and get a single unique story of this sort of bizarre around the world in 80 days I guess spin off in a way it's a, it's a twist on that story but if you play it again you will get a different story if you play it again you'll get a different story um, and it's not all story there's mechanics too there's uh, there's lots of thinking that goes into planning your route and uh, and managing your resources and so there's a lot more game here than in some interactive fiction that plays along the more sort of uh, choose your own adventure route but this is this is a pure story experience where you can you can like this is a game I would recommend to almost literally anybody. I mean, the reasons I recommend it so often is I recommend it to people who like to think they're smart. I recommend it to people who like travel. <laughs> I recommend it to people who like diversity in games. Hmm. Like people who want more diverse games, people who like women in games, people who like uh, games that are odd mechanics. I generally, people who don't think they like games, this is one of the things that I try to challenge them with. Mm-hmm. You gotta play it. You gotta play it. Uh, just a couple quick call-outs of other interactive fiction. We did, we've did. we done several episodes on interactive fiction. Um, I am a huge, huge fan of the work of uh, Porpentine Charity Heartscape. We did a whole episode on her sort of magnum opus collection of all of her interactive fiction twine-based work called Eczema Angel Orifice, a kind of nasty 
it's Gros' name for a really, really fascinating set of, of work. So if you're interested in the sort of more artsy, experimental side, I would check that out. And we have done a lot of interactive fiction stuff on the show. So go back and check out some of those. We've covered um, interactive fiction competitions. Yeah, and all also, sorts of I'm stuff. surprised Emily Short has not given us a restraining order. <laughs> we tweet at her too much. Um, Nate, there's a genre here on the list that I think is your purview. Yes, very much so. Um, so the next uh, genre, roguelikes, though. I, I just honest, want to call them FTL likes now. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be honest, like I don't know that any of these um, games really fit really into the roguelike genre. I would say the only like thing that they have is that for the most part, if you die, you start over from the beginning. Yeah. Um, but generally, roguelikes is a very specific version of the genre. But anyway, um, so these aren't exactly roguelikes, but we thought it was kind of the best title for them. And it encompasses my favorite game, um, probably at this point, just my favorite game. Um, and it's called FTL Faster Than Light. And I we, we put it on the show, and it's a good epi- game for the show because you can get a full, unique experience. Um, when within about maybe ten hours or so, but I've probably honestly each played... run. I mean, is like you can you can play through the game and die horribly within ten minutes, and you know. Yeah, I mean, if you're gonna beat it, it's probably gonna be an hour and a half or so. Um, and I have played, I think, two hundred hours or so of this game. Um, I've beat it <laughs> with just game. about every. Sh- yeah, I know, and that's where this is. That this is where we kind of bend the rules a little bit, but I I think. It fits because of what we've talked about. Where like you, uh, an individual play session is something you can complete on a you know just get home from work, do a run of FTL, and you've had a full experience with that run. But if you really want to get into the game and like maximize it, it's going to take quite some time. But you could definitely pick up FTL and and beat the flagship within ten hours or so. Now you're going to have to get good quick, but. Um, <laughs> It's, we have uh, a full episode with lots of details about it, including some yeah. really hot tips in terms of uh, of play. Uh, um, what would you like uh, tips and tricks from Nate, who is yeah. pretty darn good at this game? I it's I I, I I feel like I could do a second episode about this game. I, <laughs> I, I pick it up frequently. It's a go to for me for um, when we were doing Until Dawn, which is like you know way too spoopy for anyone. Um, <laughs> I felt like I needed you know a break, and I would play FTL. It's just like it's like candy to me. I can just play this game um, nonstop. It, it hits so many buttons of um, I, I just love this game, and and uh, I guess it technically falls under roguelikes because when you die, you're done, and you start over. Um, the other game that. I think is, I don't want to overshadow with my love of FTL, and this is closer to what would be considered a roguelike than what FTL is, and it's Crypto the Necrodancer, which is a phenomenal game with a beautiful soundtrack and a, I've never cared about dance games or rhythm games. And this game has me bouncing all over the place. So um, cool! It layers the uh, it layers the rhythm mechanic on top of very traditional art, uh, like roguelike mechanics. It's all turn based. It's all uh, dungeon crawling. You're descending through levels and trying to uh, you know defeat monsters and finally get to the bottom where you can defeat uh, the ultimate evil. Uh, but in this case, uh, 
rather than being based on turns, each turn is a beat of a song, and the the tempo varies, which kind of varies up your uh, your move set and your uh, your pace. So cool. Also, one of the most impressive speedruns I've ever seen. Oh my god, <laughs> was to Crimson Echo Dancer. I'm never going to be that good. And I listen to the soundtrack, uh, no joke, weekly. Um, it is. It, well, it's it coming a, out on vinyl. It's a it great is. pump up. Yeah, it is. I'm it's a great pump up soundtrack. Up. If you want something to listen to while you're doing something boring at work, listen to Crypto the Necro Dancer. And everyone, like, I, I'll sit at work just like dancing at my desk and I look like a maniac and I don't care because I'm listening to the Crypto the Necro Dancer soundtrack. Roguelikes are a genre that we um, like, it's a bit of a stretch um, for the show, but they tend to sort of somehow make sense. Um, RPGs are a genre that I have some affection for, but like really don't fit. Like there are very few short RPGs that are short enough to really kind of qualify for this show. And yet we've covered a couple. Um, and the two that we are that I, we have on our list here really are Transistor and Undertale. And both of them, I think, are games that are totally unmissable. Transistor is a more sort of uh, what would you call that style? It's sort of like a tactical role uh, role playing game where you know certainly there's a story. Most of the game is uh, combat. The combat is this very cool sort of tactical um, uh, move. Yeah, it's and, a uh, uh, it's an action RPG, yeah. but with elements of a turn based RPG because of their the ability they give you to pause. Yeah, very very clever uh, combat system in it that just kept me completely addicted to. I mostly find that combat is often the most boring or at least frustrating and maybe not engaging part of most RPGs um, with notable exceptions. But Transistor is a hugely notable exception. It has incredibly cool combat that is fun, fun, fun to do. And it's short. It's very short to uh, to get through. That was our game of the year, our first game of the year for the show, wasn't it? Yeah, it was actually our first yes. year. I think that was our, our game of the year. Um, and Undertale... Uh, another game it was our that second. yeah, it was our second game of the year. Which uh, you know, it's a uh, it's a game that I think you either love it or you hate it. I know Shane didn't like it as much as we did, but we outvoted him. Um, uh, and, <laughs> that is all right. Uh, there, there enough ink has been spilled over Undertale that if you're not familiar with it, um, I'm not sure that we'll be able to really be your best introduction to it. But we did two full episodes on Undertale, one that was spoiler free and one in which we talked all sorts of spoilers. And both of them were full of praise for the game because it's fun, silly, uh, clever. I, I don't know if I have enough good adjectives to apply to it, but it's a lovely sort of experience that looks very retro on the surface but is just brimming with new ideas and fun and a testament to um, an individual's ability to create something Um, we haven't hit that as much but one of the cool things about the world that we're working in is that some of these games um, are made by teams of you know one to two to three people maybe one person does the game and one person does the music um, this was a very, very small group. I'm pretty sure the vast majority of the game was made by one guy. Then the music was made by another guy. Um, and I, I just, I think that's when you add that level into it too, it, it makes it even more of an impressive, impressive accomplishment. And that's true for, I think our top action shooter, super hot as well, right? Correct. The original Super Hot was the product of, of one guy, but I think the version that we all played, which was the full game, uh, was a little bit more b- built out. But that's well, a great segue, Laura, into the action <laughs> shooter genre. It was an expansion from a student competition yes, type it was situation. Yes, a small start. Yes, that's so Super Hot uh, is a game 
where time moves only when you move. And there's just so much shooting going on. Um, <laughs> really think that's all I can say about it. Uh, yeah, this yeah, is probably... Because I can't put a coherent sentence together because we've listed so many great games. So if someone comes up to me and says, what game should I play? And I know nothing about them. Super Hot is by far 100% my go-to recommendation. I don't think there's a single person who has played video games unless you are just inherently against shooting things, which is fine, or you don't like first-person sort of things. Um, I I don't know how you wouldn't find some enjoyment in this game. You get to play out like every single cool, badass action movie thing. Um, You're dodging bullets. You're going on these crazy sprees. It's really interestingly designed. Um, it is the most innovative shooter I've played in years. <laughs> it is by far the most innovative shooter I've played in years. Um, <laughs> and a lot of people will say that. Specifically, they will say it's the most innovative shooter They're they've right. played in years. And they are right. Um, so play it and you will agree. The other one that's on our list for action shooters, um, and we have uh, we have actually a, a fairly long list of of those, but we'll, uh, in the interest of time, just mention Assault Android Cactus. We did a whole episode on it. If you like top down shooters in the arcade style, um, like if you ever played dual like stick. Smash TV or any other uh, sort of dual stick shooters, Robotron, that's throwing it way way back, or more more recent dual stick shooters. There's a ton of them in the indie space. Assault Android Cactus distills that down to something that is absolutely great it is absolutely great fun it's out on the ps4 and uh and steam and um maybe other places that you gotta play of. it so good it's chaos there is so much going on on the screen at the same time uh i i can remember just sitting there playing it and it, it, it's great multiplayer so if you've got someone to play it with i can't recommend enough but There's still so amazing single player too i played the whole yeah. thing single player and it is still absolutely last uh there were so many times i just sitting like holy shit what is going on while i'm just firing and firing and firing and just it's like arena style so you're just kind of in one area and just waves and and i'll say the the multiplayer is so much fun it's by far the most frequent game for my wife and i to pick up and play together um it's a it's just a delight and i guess our last genre second to last if you can call it that yes oh well I, then our our last on this list is the genre that we've we've decided to call unclassifiable, truly unique. <laughs> this is our um, cop out. There were some things that we were like, these yeah. are so 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 good, but we don't want to like bump other really genre specific things off of their various lists and 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 they don't fit into a genre. And they don't really. We love. These games, I think Shane and I both put a dark room as like one of our favorite games. It was my time. game of the year. Is my it game was, of the year yeah. in uh, 2015, I believe. Yeah, it was. I probably I, I know it was on my list maybe? there. Yeah, yeah. Can you can you give an elevator pitch for a dark room? Because it's almost impossible to do. It is almost impossible to do. Um, so the game is uh, purely text on a black and white screen uh, that somehow takes that situation you wake up in a dark room with just a fire going it's kind of like an adventure game or i'm sorry like a text-based game um just like an interactive fiction at the beginning and it expands to hit multiple different genres all while retaining its black and white text on a uh you know black text on a white screen and it 
it hits resource management to exploration to uh, roguelike to um, Galaga to I mean to just straight up it, like narrative uh, like it, it it has it it has heart to it but it like it tells a story that was meaningful to me in a way that I was not expecting coming into this game at all it's there's something here. I played the game completely and I felt thoroughly. And in our episode about this game, you guys mentioned things that you figured out and learned that blew my mind that I did not pick up on my playthrough. And it it just, it accomplishes so much in such a simple representation that I think it's a, it's a, um, a testament to good design and good ideas, and I can't recommend this game enough. I yeah, mean, so unique. There's nothing like it. Totally unclassifiable, unique, and easily one of the best iOS games of all time. Um, and the other game that kind of made this list because we had a hard time classifying it was Her Story. It was absolutely my favorite game of uh, of last year, um, although it didn't quite make our game of the year, but it was damn up there. And her story, uh, you've probably heard about it uh, because it made a lot of waves. It may be a bit of a love it or hate it, but I think that 99% of what people who play it game. are going to love it. And It is a uh, investigation game uh, in which your gameplay is limited to basically using a crappy computer uh, to watch video clips of a uh, of a police investigation or a police interview, series of police interviews. Um, and so you have a text prompt. You can search the content of these police interviews. And uh, I mean, we have a whole episode describing the game, but also really going into like how it tells its story. Like this is a game that just trusts you as the player to discover the story. And so you, you feel incredibly involved in what would otherwise just be a video. But here you are, investigating the story at your own pace the game is in your in it is in your uncovering of the story it is an incredible accomplishment of editing and 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 just unbelievable boldness of game design and on our episode this is the only time we've uh, done this reagan interviewed the developer so if you want some uh, even more insight into the game and what it means and, you know, where the game came from. Reagan had a fantastic interview with... Uh, if I was a halfway decent podcaster, I'd, I'd have set more things like that up. <laughs> yeah, I know, it was right? a good interview. He woke up at an ungodly hour. And also, um, that is one of the episodes where we go off the deep end and have the craziest conspiracy theories I think we've ever had on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's a bit of a longer episode. Uh, sorry for the length, but yeah, it was sort of a double episode because of the interview with uh, with the developer. So uh, one of my favorites of all time. Amazing game. Um and I guess our last category that we have on here, uh, we kind of uh, kind of tells a little bit about the sort of things that we're interested in. Our last category here is games about games, and a surprising number of those have come up on the show. Uh, I think part of this is because indie game makers uh, love self-examination and examination of their craft and this sort of like reflective or uh, or you know inward looking style of of building a or game or self-hating. Yeah, but also like uh like loving. Like there's these are games mm-hmm. that love games and want to celebrate or reflect on or criticize the the genre or not genre, the medium uh, and they kind of show a level of like thought that you don't find mm-hmm. in a lot of uh, a lot of like longer big budgeter types of games and nothing we can say in this category will match the 
level of incoherence and thought we had to put into describing them in the full length episodes. <laughs> Absolutely. Games about games, we tend to talk about for a really long time because it feels so personal. So if you're interested in any of these games, listen to the episodes, pick them up yourself because no elevator pitch will do them justice. And heck, we should probably just list them with like one half of a sentence description. The Stanley Parable, one of our first episodes, uh, a game about uh, choice and what choice means in games that is uh, better at that than than Bioshock. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And and still hilarious. (laughs) And since part of our our thing about um, this episode is like, what games do you recommend? Uh, When someone comes to me and I know that they are someone who plays video games, a hundred percent of the time, my first question is, have you played Stanley Parable? Yeah. And if it's no, then my recommendation is Stanley Parable. Um, they will not be quite the uh, the hit if they've never played video games or they haven't really played a lot of them. But if it's someone I know that loves games and understands games or at least has experienced a ton, for sure, every time Stanley Parable, there is – this is – in my top five of games we've covered yeah. for this show. Uh, one of the things I want to say about that game is that makes it so special uh, because it is one of my favorite games we've covered is the um, it's a short game that is uh, deep as the ocean because <laughs> it is uh, you can get through it in seconds in some playthroughs and never more than a few minutes. Um, but every possible there are there are those moments where you you try and think oh i'm going to have some emer- moments of emergent gameplay where i'm trying something that maybe the developer didn't intend and no the developer thought of everything that you could do and has a response for it that will shock and delight you other games that kind of fall under that games about games umbrella one that that may not seem like it at first is little inferno it's a game about burning things in a fireplace which sounds like why would i play that well really the game is about why would you play that or really why would you play any game this is a game about why not so much about what video games are but why we play them uh, and it has other themes too it's a really clever interesting game we talked about it a little earlier um the magic consumerism it's terrible <laughs> And also wonderful, um, The Magic Circle, a game where you are stuck in a video game, more or less, and it tells the story of game development from inside the game. You're trying to escape a game that is in development hell. You're trying to uh, work your way through the skeleton of a broken game. Uh, and it's also got really clever puzzles. Um, the Beginner's Guide is a mostly narrative experience that is so meta it's difficult to describe, but it... Uh, it is it is a portfolio of a fictional game designer's work where you're trying to find out if you can learn about that designer through their works of art. Yeah, it's very literary. It's got an unreliable narrator. It is a genius piece of fiction told as a game. Feels extremely transgressive as you get into it. It's very interesting. Very very interesting. Um, game dev story yeah. is a iPhone game not that you can <laughs> not a thinker. It is a uh, basically a little cute game about building games and uh, this super is fun. my favorite one for uh, games about games because this is the most literal. <laughs> it's so this literally is, that this does not tech. I don't think this really counts for what we're talking about when we say games about games. Um, but we didn't want to do a separate genre that just says sim games for the one sim game that we did. Uh, so game. 
it game it's a game sim game. It, it is. is a game it's sim a game, game. depending on what your game, what game you're simming. You could be a game sim, game sim game. Yeah, and <laughs> we loved this game. So yeah. uh, pick it a lot up on of your fun phone. on that episode because we got to talk about all the fun games that we created within the game. And Reagan um, should never run a game studio. I la- well, I Reagan's terrible about it, but I laugh like daily about frog homework. I don't know why I find that so funny. But just the game Frog Homework makes well, me laugh. Well, so. there there have been so many great games on this list uh, because we, I mean, we've had a we've had an amazing run so far. We've been running a hundred uh, weekly in quotation marks episodes, which uh, we'll don't count on average the weeks days. since we've been running because it hasn't really been weekly, but we've done our best. And um, I mean, I can't believe that we are still running after a hundred episodes, and I am looking forward to doing a uh, hundred more or more. I mean, this has been. Uh, an amazing uh, experience getting to chat with you guys about games every week and and interact with it our listeners been, and I've just had so amazing. much fun I'm doing. I'm so this. sad this is the last one. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? Um, so I guess uh, after that long list, if you think, listener, that there are any short games, games that can be picked up and completed in an evening or a weekend, as we like to say, games that respect your time that we haven't covered on the show yet. Obviously, we are really, really into listener recommendations and love to hear about them. Um, We hope that this episode kind of starts, serves as a jumping off point for folks who kind of want to explore our back catalog. We've always kind of hoped that our show would kind of function as a um, something where the, the older episodes would be a little bit evergreen. We're not talking about the latest and greatest. We're talking about great short games kind of become a, uh, hopefully, uh, exist as a sort of a library of great short games that would you know work for you to pick any one of these games. So if any of those sound interesting to you, we would love to hear your thoughts on any of the games we've just talked about or anything we've ever talked about on the show. Um, so drop us a line. Uh, I've been your host, Reagan Kelly, and you can find me on Twitter at Reagan K. That's R-A-Y-G-A-N-K. And our show is also on Twitter at short game at, or excuse me, at underscore short game. Uh, our show's website is www.theshortgame.net where we've got a contact form and that's a great way to get in touch with us. You can also leave us a review on iTunes. We super love that. And it's also a great way to let us know what you think, um, particularly if what you think is five stars. We love that. <laughs> and um, and thank you so much to my awesome co-hosts for sticking with me for a hundred damn episodes. Shane, thank you for being a super awesome bro. Where can people uh, find you on the internet, Shane? I'm on Twitter at 8BitShane. Nate Heiniger, thank you also for being a super good friend and uh, and sticking with me for so long on this silly project that we came up with together. <laughs> Where can people find you on the internet? Uh, it has been sincerely uh, a fantastic thing to be a part of, and I'm happy to. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at NateSTL. And Laura, I have known you since we were embarrassingly young, and I am so glad that you are still one of my greatest friends. Thank you so much for doing this show with me. It's been a wonderful time. Where can people find you on the internet? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Laura J. Nash, and I'm so excited to keep playing and hopefully beating more games in the future. Yeah. Is there an age that is inherently embarrassingly young? Middle under school. Under 20. Well, yeah. Middle school is <laughs> under, the most Oh, everyone under age. 20 is just inherently... <laughs> I feel like I was a pretty cool... <laughs> no, I'm sure you did. I'm sure you did no. think that. Don't they always say, don't trust anyone under 30? <laughs> Uh-oh. 
And I guess last, thank you so much to our listeners for sticking with us. We really appreciate it. Um, we're 100 episodes in and we're still going strong and we uh, we really appreciate you joining us every week or even just if you feel like listening once in a while. So thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Short Game.